0: Welcome to Blue State Conversations. This is our place to discuss the political theory from all sides, bridging the political divides that split our society. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, everybody. This is William and Matthew with Blue State Conversations, and here's the opening problem for the show We're all supposed to fight for what's right, but also not to impose our ideas on others. Christians are supposed to spread the gospel and live by it, but often preach that religion is private. Twitter blocked accounts in Uganda and then got offended when they were blocked by Ugandan internet providers. We're all for free speech, but what about white supremacy speech? Something may be wrong, but still legal. Or something may be right, but illegal. The current world feels like an us versus them with right-wing, in quotes, versus left-wing, sites, and bias screamed from every corner. So today we're asking, how can I promote my values but not be an echo chamber?
1: Yeah, I think it's a very important question for just a lot of people who want to talk about what's important to them, but they don't want to come off as someone who's not nice or somebody who's too hardcore about something. You know, nobody wants to be the angry, ranting person. You know, They just want to maybe talk about it or say, this is what I believe, but they don't want to get into anything where there's people screaming and they're like, like I don't want to do that.
0: And that's just in private circles, some that are more private, like when you're working, that would be a situation where you're like, I don't want to be considered unprofessional.
1: Right. And at the same time, you don't want to just talk to the same two people over and over again, right? You want to talk with other people who have different views and you want to be able to have friends with different views, you know, you don't want to just have you and your three people that think like you hold up somewhere. I mean, maybe you do, but that's not Are you making a callback
0: to our, our last episode where we discussed unfriending people who don't hold your views?
1: <laughs> yeah, right. Because for a lot of times, there are people who you do need to unfriend. But how do you unfriend the people you need to unfriend, but also not create an echo chamber? How do you know the difference? And so that's why I think today's show has a lot of relevance for people. And so the first thing I want to tackle is just the idea of imposing the idea right a lot of times you'll hear this from people you can't impose your ideas on anyone there's a huge assumption that's behind that which is that an imposition is just anytime somebody tells you to do something differently than you're currently doing and the thing is if you're going to say that that's your standard well then we impose constantly there's no way that you're not going to impose on somebody any type of government's going to require imposition if you're telling people that the speed is 65, that's an imposition. If you're telling people that, hey, you've got to drive on the right side of the road, that's an imposition. If you're telling people that you need your drugs to be checked by the FDA, that's an imposition, right? You're imposing certain ideas just to have a country.
0: Often, it seems like when we talk with another person and bring up new ideas, first we feel like we have to be at a certain level of comfort with them before we assume that we can impose this idea out into the world just to see how they'll react to it and start that discussion.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes you can feel people testing the waters a little bit when they're talking, just, you know, Hey, I've been hearing people say this. And then what do you think about that? And then the second person goes, Oh, I agree with that. Oh, good. I do too. You know, you get that (laughs) that reaction.
0: I mean, it's okay if you disagree, but it's all in how you communicate that disagreement that brings up whether or not you can discuss it with them. Because you end up with people that are, quote, on your team, and then you have people who are innocuously in the middle, and then you have people who are on the, quote, other team, and then you have people who are on, quote, the other team but will not discuss anything with you about it. And then there are the people on the other team that will take it personally offensive that you bring up anything that is not a part of their team.
1: Oh, yeah. No, sometimes even if you just disagree with people, maybe if you try to think beyond what your team is proposing... Your team will attack you where you'll say, hey, well, what if we like, we did half of our thing and half of their thing Then your team will go, no, 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 it's 100% of our thing. And that's it.
0: <laughs> sounds like Congress. It sounds
1: oh, yeah. But the thing is, in order to think you have to risk offending somebody, you have to risk the fact that you might say something that somebody will go, whoa, I don't agree with that. And it's not about the fact that you've upset them. And you have to understand that when somebody else is thinking You don't need to attack them because they're attempting to figure out their life and figure out what they're for and how to solve problems that are facing everybody.
0: Yeah, thinking needs to be encouraged. Listening to that person process through their thoughts and coming out on the other side and then discussing what that looks like.
1: And then once they've decided, hey, this is a good way to solve it, whether it's through tradition, whether it's through logic, whether maybe they're in avant-garde and they've, they've got a whole brand new thing, whatever they make that decision, There has to be a decision that's made. You can't just be going, well, I'm going to just do whatever. And one day I'll think this way. And another day I'll think this way. That, That you can't have a life like that. And really, if you take this whole idea of, well, you can't impose your ideas. Okay, so if you have a Christian and he sees somebody attacking his wife, is he supposed to go, well, maybe that's not like in my religion or like maybe, what if that's their marriage?
0: A true pacifist.
1: Right. He's not supposed to just sit there and just go, you know, if he went over and stopped the guy from attacking him. The closest bat or hammer. Right. Even most self-defense laws are worded this way where they're saying, like, if you view an attack going on and you step in to stop it. And maybe the wife attacked him and you just saw the second half, you know, maybe she, she pulled a knife or something and you just see the second half and you went and stopped him. You actually would not get in trouble for that because people are saying, Hey, you were doing something that you viewed to be good. There's no imposition there.
0: Yeah. Even without complete information.
1: Right. So like sometimes people, they don't have the complete information. They're not in your shoes. And again, what's good for one person may not be good for a whole community. Sometimes there are Christians where you might meet them and you're just going, you know what? You know, we don't drink in our religion. He needs one, right? <laughs> you know, 80 million people voted for Biden. 74 million people voted for Trump. So do the remaining 170-ish million people get the claim that, well, I didn't vote, so none of the rules apply to me?
0: <laughs> Meanwhile, what they actually chose was that they don't get to be represented in their area. Right.
1: They made a different decision. And so if you have any sort of government, so the only people that are exempted from this statement are people who are anarchists. If you have any sort of government, you are going to be imposed upon, and now you have to build a country from there. That's it. Good luck. That's how life works. So if you're running around saying, oh, they're so bad, they're imposing their ideas. Okay, the imposition is forcing somebody by violating their rights. It's by violating those. You have to have a context for what you mean by imposing. You need to explain what the imposition is. Just... The fact that there's imposing doesn't mean that you've gone in some direction of authoritarian. There's imposition. You can have the most free market world. There's still imposition. (laughs) It's going to happen.
0: I mean, unless you delete the EPA off the earth or maybe just government entirely, then there's no imposition. Except once that happens, there's going to be a dictator eventually. So once again, everybody's going to be imposed upon by whoever is in power at the time. One way or the another, there's going to be an imposition.
1: Right. So using that definition of imposition is just any time somebody else does something I don't agree with. thats If you're using that definition, it's useless. It's, It's completely worthless in politics. There's no reason to even bring it up. And if somebody else is using it, know that it's completely useless and they have no way of arguing.
0: I would say that someone who cannot handle being imposed upon by ideas, if they can't handle that, they're totally out of the running for being able to have a conversation. If they live in an echo chamber, it's of their own choice if they can't take an imposition of an idea.
1: Right. So when somebody says, look, the Second Amendment says, shall not be infringed. The Second Amendment comes from a certain expressed set of rights. It doesn't exist everywhere on the planet. So there's a context to when somebody says, oh, you're imposing on my Second Amendment rights. There's a context to that because of how American philosophy works. But if somebody was just running around constantly going, oh, you can't do that. You can't do that. Why? Well, I want to do those things. (laughs) <laughs> that's that's not an argument. That's not useful. Just delete that from what you're trying to do So you'll often find that people who are doing this you'll start to claim that they're not worth your time So who and what is worth your time actually? Because we, we've been talking about it, you know Imposing your ideas and we're going to talk about it. And you got to reason with it So who is worth your time because a lot of times you'll find you can't talk to everybody You can't argue every single point and some people you can't
0: talk to period Well, for me, it comes down to my family is definitely worth my time, my close friends. And then I have like a core group of work friends that it's very enjoyable for us to sit down and discuss ideas, old ideas, new ones, current times. I actually have something I wanted to bring up as far as some situation that was worth my time to discuss things that change. So I have a sister who is a published author And she just finished her second book and it was published over the past Christmas season. Yeah. It's very exciting. And I mean, I could go into that, but the gist of that story was that the publisher actually came back and asked for her to write this novella, which is very cool. So anyway, she wrote it very differently from her previous book. Her previous book was a romance novel that had a spiritual bent to it. Judeo-Christian. It wasn't like hammered or anything like that, but it was like a subtle theme throughout the book. And that was definitely more for younger teenagers versus this one where it could have been presumed that was for teenagers, but there were a couple of parents who are lesbians. And that was something that kind of became an issue because my sister's review group, she has a group of Authors who okay. write reviews for books on their websites and kind of share it. It helps with the marketing of it. A bunch of them were saying back to her in private messages like, I'm sorry, but I can't actually promote this book because I have a brand. I have reasons that would preclude me from sharing this with the people who would read on my website. And my sister was really frustrated because for her, these two characters in her book it was just something that made them unique and interesting it was they were wonderful people living in her mind now on paper and so when she shared on her social media that she was frustrated that there are these authors who are saying they can't share this book with their followers because it talks about different things that they can't support and like her previous book understandably, there were a bunch of people that came out of the woodwork to be really frustrated about these people and their brand. And she was the one who actually had to come back and say like, whoa, well, they, they, they do have the right to do that. This book is a little bit different from previous ones. But it took a while before she actually started responding to those comments that way. And I had gone to talk to her beforehand and say like, hey, just so you know, like there's a reason why no one is taking the time to support the fact that those people have the rights that they do because they don't want to get attacked by these other people in your comments because it's not worth it to them to be attacked in that way when, you know, they may read your book, they may not, but they're definitely not going to comment. And so like, that would be a situation where it was worth it for me to discuss the topic with my sister, but it was definitely not worth it for people to comment in support of like, you know, they may read the book, but they understand where those other authors would be coming from, not posting about the book on their own websites.
1: Right, because not every author can be pushing every single book that comes with them because some things are just not part of what they're doing or the group that they've cultivated or who reads their book. And throwing that away, even no matter how much they think your sister's great, to throw that away would be you know, asking somebody to throw away the food on their table for a book. And this not a lot of people are gonna do that. And a lot of those people in the comments would probably make the same choice but I think you're right about the fact that they just, <laughs> it's popular to say, oh, that's terrible and that's horrible. And
0: Yeah. At the time, I encouraged her like, hey, you should actually find people who would be happy to promote this book knowing that there are side characters that are LGBTQ. Like, that would actually make a lot more sense and yeah, they might not be your usual crowd or they weren't your previous crowd, but they would totally take this up and enjoy the fact that you have created a happy lesbian couple to be co-moms for your main character. Like, yeah, sure. If that's something that's not being appreciated well in the literary community, then please continue to write that way and find people who will actually share this with their followers. They just happen to be different people than who would have shared her previous book.
1: Right. And so some forums are going to be worth the time and exposure for that. For me, a lot of the stuff that I found is there are people that I would argue on Facebook and I would get on posts and things like that. And there are people that I know who they have messaged me and they've said, oh, what you used to post and what you used to talk about, that actually changed my entire perspective on politics. I learned so much from that. And I've completely understood a whole different set of issues and scenarios and why people act the way they do. It's a whole completely different thing. Now, obviously at the time, you know, the person who I was talking with, they might be not worth my time, but the forum that I chose was worth my time because there were people watching it and there were people learning from it that maybe weren't commenting that maybe weren't doing that sort of thing. I mean, cause there are some forums that aren't going to be good. If you're just maybe working a side job, that's maybe not the time to <laughs> start up the old argument machine and get going because you're, Is that communist propaganda? No, it's not the time for that. (laughs) You know, it's maybe that's the time to kind of tamp it down. And
0: The Kohl's checkout line is probably not the time to start talking about somebody's Black Lives Matter mask.
1: Right, like I'll tell people, I don't agree with the mask mandates. I think if you want to wear a mask, you should wear a mask. And if you don't, you you know, and you should be able to do the lockdown stuff, I don't agree with that. But I'm not going to be like banging on my neighbor's doors like, are you in there wearing a mask? Get outside. Like, I'm not, you know, it's not... There's certain forums that are worth the time for these certain things.
0: So you're telling me you're not going to, quote, protest by going to Sam's Club while not wearing a mask?
1: No, no. I'll wear the mask and do all that sort of thing. But I'm going to make my point with somebody else who's really like, look, they're probably in the same boat I'm in. They're like, look, I just want to go to the store and shop. I don't know why you're yelling at me. And I'd say on the reverse side, the people who, you know, if you're in a place and somebody is not wearing a mask... Just say 12 feet away from them. You know what I mean? Why are we doing this thing where we're following other people around the store
0: screaming at them? Definitely don't stop at 12 feet. 100 feet is far <laughs> more appropriate at that point. Yeah. You don't even have to interact with them. Just like, you're over there. I'm over here. You'll never see it coming.
1: You're just seeing people who are, you know, I'm going to win the mass debate in this country here in this coles with this person at 830 in the morning. And you're just going, maybe no. Maybe not now. It's just both shop, right? One of us will stay really far from the other person and we'll get, you know, we were talking about the mask mandates and all that stuff. And then I watched a guy because he had the mask on. He decided that that meant he couldn't smell the chicken. So he grabbed every <laughs> single chicken and brought it up to his face and touched it to his face and then put it back down. <gasps> I remember going, well, I'm just not getting chicken today.
0: <laughs> oh, my goodness.
1: i you know what I mean? You know, that's not the forum for me to be sitting there and going, oh, gee, this is why masks are stupid. Like that's not the forum for that. It is a good forum to be talking about the research, to be sharing it, to be asking your friends who work in the field, why is this the case? Hey, if we're going to be wearing masks and this guy's going to be smelling chicken like this, hey, I don't have COVID, but I got every single other disease. You know, maybe (laughs) that's the forum that's worth your time rather than yeah, I spent an extra hour today getting screamed at by everybody in the supermarket. That's a waste of your time, right? Now, there are other things and other forms where that may be worth your time. If I am legally able to carry my firearm in that grocery store and somebody tries to remove me, now that's worth
0: my time. And now we've gone straight into the Kent State girl situation.
1: (laughs) Yes, Kalen Bennett. But the reason I would say that is because one of the things we're talking about is I have a right to it. I don't have a right to yell at somebody. I don't have that right. I do have a right to carry something on my person. That sort of thing brings us into when somebody is making a claim, you actually want to engage that claim. Like with your sister, you know, and she's talking about how she's frustrated and she's upset because she's been trying to get this. How many of those people are actually engaging with her and what she was saying? Or how many of them were just posts like, haha, I'm angry as well. And she had to go out there and say, hey, I'm actually not that angry. <laughs> just... This is difficult, and I don't like it.
0: I mean, she's a well-loved person, so I'm sure a lot of people wanted to feel these emotions with her.
1: I mean, I guess that's true. But the fact that she did have to come out and say something to me sounds like some of those people were maybe just...
0: (laughs) Took it a few steps too far. Because the reality is, Barbara is friends with these authors. She has participated in also sharing their books on her website. So this is like a group of people that she actually interacts with from time to time. They're not random strangers to her. However, it became her friends essentially proclaiming a little bit harder on people that she would consider to be well-liked acquaintances, but now she's frustrated by their decisions.
1: Right. And you're going to get frustrated by those decisions from other people. You're going to get, I can't tell you how many times I've seen somebody. The one that blew my mind was when somebody asked why Jeff Bezos couldn't sell 16% of Amazon stock. Couldn't believe it. There's so many reasons you can't just do this. But instead of just launching into them, I just kind of was like, what do you think would happen if he did that? It became very obvious very quick. They had no idea. They had zero clue. They literally just thought Amazon, you know, it's a trillion dollar company. And what that means is there's a bank vault that says Amazon over it. And then you open the door, steam rolls out and there's like... Just $1 trillion dollar bills stacked in this safe. you know, they... Money. <laughs>
0: exactly. Except it's more like, look at this little number bar that exists at a machine across the internet servers. And if I wanted to sell it, I would have to tank the whole company because people would suddenly think that it's not worth as much as they thought it was.
1: I mean, you would blow right through your bid orders. You'd oh, it would be ridiculous. You would cause havoc. The stock market would go in. like there'd be a huge economic thing. But it, really, a lot of people they treat it like well, my house is valued at six hundred thousand dollars, so that means I have six hundred thousand dollars sitting in the bank. Uh, no, that's not. <laughs>
0: things don't. That work. only happens if you open a line of credit attached to your equity, and even then, it wouldn't be a hundred percent of that. It would probably be eighty percent. Shoot, my financial knowledge just spills out. <laughs> <laughs>
1: But yeah, you know, look at how we could just roll this person. We could do all that sort of thing. And when I commented on it, the reason I commented on it is at the time, I really thought this person was worth the time because it was a well-educated person who was becoming interested in politics and political theory. And they were starting to post more on it. So I was like, oh, well, this is somebody who... They're asking questions. Yeah. And so... A lot of your first political ideas are really wrong. That's just the way it goes for almost everybody.
0: And that's okay. Yeah. Just if they're willing to ask questions, then you're willing to engage and try to help them understand and learn. And if they have something to offer, then you guys can discuss it.
1: Yeah. And so it became clear after a while that this person was not worth my time because every discussion that we had, the person knew the answer. And then they would sort of set the argument. So they just arrived at that answer, no matter what I said. So when I started talking about bid orders, they would go, well, that's all beyond my knowledge. But the real thing to think about here is there's too much money in it. I was like, okay, no, no, no. It's not like you
0: (laughs) you don't get to just like. So just to be clear, what do you consider a bid order? (laughs) Yeah.
1: So bid orders, it just means when you're selling stocks, right? There has to be somebody to buy the stock, right? And so if you just suddenly dump stocks, and there's not enough people to buy it, then you can get some very interesting results with your company at the end there.
0: (laughs) All of a sudden, the stock price starts going down until you start finding the buy orders that people are placing to suck up all of that loose stock.
1: Yeah, and so you can rapidly devalue the rest of your stock, and it's not something you want to be doing.
0: And it's not just that stock, because what would happen is if you were to sell that 16% of Amazon and people were to start trying to buy it back, you would actually impact the greater stock market because people are going to assume that something just happened industry-wide. And then you see the whole S&P 500, the top 500, the top 500 companies across the United States just starts tanking overall. And then maybe people would figure out that Amazon was just dumping stock or maybe not. And then you just have the American government just creating 4 trillion, 5 trillion, 10 trillion more (laughs) dollars to stuff back in to raise Amazon back up.
1: Who knows? Yeah. And what you also could have is a lot of trading is done by machines now. So the machines might assume something that's completely off the wall is going on. And then
0: sell off everything that's Amazon. Yep. You have the AI traders,
1: yeah, so it's basically algorithms that are supposed to react quicker than humans to, you know, just the daily flow. So those things could do something weird because this is an input they're not supposed to see.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, somebody might have gone in and said March of 2020 should never happen again where everything tanks really fast. But if it does, within a certain time frame, we'll just sell everything.
1: Right, just to protect the money and protect our assets and do all that stuff. And then you could destroy some people's 401ks. You could...
0: hmm And this is why it's good that people make choices, that not every piece of money is owned by one specific robot or trader.
1: And But when I was talking to her about these things, she was just going, well, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the richest man in the world who's holding on to the money and he's making his workers starve.
0: He's evil. Yeah, and they were like. If he were to dissolve X number of dollars, he could pay them all X, Y, and Z. That type of argument, yeah,
1: and but it's like, look, you can't talk about someone selling off their stock, and then when somebody talks about what that would mean, go, well, I'm not talking about stocks. Yes, you are, and this person ended up doing that, and so eventually, it became obvious that this person was not worth my time anymore because they had no interest in actually engaging my stated reasons, what I was saying, and things I was doing. That doesn't mean I'm like infallible. It just means that there was zero interest.
0: They have an interest in a conversation where you discuss ideas and try to come to conclusions about how those ideas influence each other.
1: Yeah. And the people who do this, I don't engage with, you know, unless I've already just kind of gone down the rabbit hole as much as I can. The ones who post an argument and claim, that's all you need to know. Those people, that's not worth my time. Because if you don't understand it, how in the world am I supposed to talk to you about it? I say, this article says it. Okay, well, here's some different articles. No, 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 no. The article. Thank you. I posted an article. I sent the link. That's it. You know, when you get those people, that's not worth your time. If you're seeing somebody who's just taking an article and going, here's the link. Thank you. My politics is sponsored by (laughs) Vox.com.
0: But sometimes they even say, I don't want to actually debate this, but I'm just posting it.
1: Oh yeah. If anybody ever does that routine.
0: I'm like, okay, well then I might read it, but I'm not going to comment because you don't want to talk about it
1: and it's good to share articles. It's good to share information with the other person, but you should expect that person to come back with some questions or things like that. You know, just going, well, I posted a 300 word article. Why aren't you agreeing with me now? Those people aren't worth your time. And I don't know about you, but the people that follow up, whatever their point is by just, I'm swearing harder at you. Therefore I'm winning. (laughs) I am name calling harder than you. So I'm winning.
0: (laughs) And it is for that reason that sometimes I think through whether or not I want to comment and think to myself, do I have the emotional energy to handle if this goes poorly? It doesn't mean it will, and I have no intention of it going poorly. You really don't know what's in somebody else's mind or what's going to come out of them at that exact moment. And if I'm not emotionally ready to handle potentially worst or not so good outcomes, I probably will avoid it at that time. And I think that's a perfectly realistic reason to decide whether or not it's worth your time based on your ability to be emotionally uninvolved. Because if you get upset about it, it's really not worth wrecking your day over what somebody says on the internet.
1: Right. It's, it's not. And if they're not worth your time, just say, hey, look, I'm done. That's all you gotta say. Hey, I'm done. And then if you say you're done, this is very important. You're done.
0: Don't keep coming back (laughs) and speaking. Because if you do, then you were lying to that person and they will know it.
1: Right. I know somebody who will post things all the time about how your religion is useless. The church has failed. If you're a Christian, you're in a cult. They'll post all that stuff, right? And then when I'm like, so you don't like me because I'm religious. And they'll be like, no, you're a great guy. Your religion makes you a great guy. And I'm going... So you're lying, right? There's no reason to engage with you. And then they pull this routine where they're going, oh, yeah, but that's like a personal experience of mine. I don't like really believe that. And no, no, if you, <laughs> you're not gonna play this game where you're just gonna rotate a new side of you towards me and pretend you never said anything else, your words matter. So whenever you're engaging with somebody, take the reasons that they've given and work through those logic. Bring up the points against that. Like I just had a conversation recently where somebody was saying if there had been a BLM riot at the Capitol, then there would be like thousands of cops there. They would have been right there. They would have shot people and killed, you know, and I was talking to them and I was saying, well, here's all the other different possibilities that it could be happening. And I said, Hey, so they went to the mayor of DC. They went to Pelosi. They went to McConnell and then they went to the Pentagon and they talked to those people and said, Hey, we need more police. And they denied them. And the person was still like, well, it's still white supremacy. And I'm going... Really? The Democrats were white supremacists? Really? The Democrats were supporting the Trump argument? Really? They were doing that? McConnell doesn't support the Trump argument. You know, you you bring that up. But the thing is, instead of just yelling that at them, say, okay, well, these people think this, so how would that work with that? And then let them talk. And then you can kind of push them towards that. And a lot of times people will have a better reaction to you if you let them get to their conclusion. And then you start saying, well, these points didn't make sense along the way. They tend to do a little bit better with you that way.
0: It definitely helps for the person that you're engaging with to feel like they've been heard. It's like you reach an internal check mark where you say, there, I have now said everything I have to say. And then if they were going to be open to listening to you, that's when they're going to be open to listening. If at any previous time you tried to engage when they were in the middle of discussing their points with you, then it kind of frustrates them before they've even finished, and they're going to be even less likely to want to listen to you if you haven't first listened to them.
1: Yeah, because if they feel that you're talking over them, then why don't they just talk over you? And they may. (laughs) They very well may. In politics, there's a lot of spirit about, oh, you're going to do that, then I'm going to do it too. So really, let the other guy make some arguments against you. And then for you, when you're making your argument, pull in some of the stuff that they would do. So a lot of times, if I want to make a point about something, I'll pull from the sources that they would trust. Even if I think wherever their source is from is trash, I might say, hey, well, your side says the same thing I'm saying, so I'm probably not making it up. And then if they start saying, oh, well, that one article is the white supremacist article from that site. And you're like, really? Okay. You know, (laughs) when you start to see that drift into...
0: When you start crossing into the territory of probably not worth your time. Right.
1: And so that lets you see it a lot earlier and know to, to get out rather than, you know, three days later going, geez, that was worthless. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and then really, I think you were right about talking about, you know, your family, your core group of friends, different people. I always thought that, you know, hey, people who are newer to politics, that was worth my time because, hey, they're newer. They need somebody who's got some training in it, who's got some experience in it and who can help them work through what theory or what terminology means. That's something that can help them. And so I think that just brings us to the last thing, where we're talking about a lot of times people use the word other sources and bias as just sort of a club to sort of hit people over the head that make arguments that challenge them. So for example, I have a friend who will not read articles from the Daily Wire. And the reason for that is she says that the Daily Wire is biased, which the Daily Wire says they are biased. They say we have a conservative bias. They acknowledge it. They go, we're a conservative news outlet.
0: It makes me a little speechless because it's not like CNN comes out and says we're a left wing news website.
1: Right. But that's part of the problem with CNN is they say we're not. What was Don Lemon's quote where he goes, my job is to make sure that the truth gets out there and it's my truth. <laughs> he said it was it was my truth that I get out there. So whether or not that falls with else was like, are you saying that you just have to say what's true to you?
0: <laughs> In other words, it doesn't have to be factual.
1: Right or what is it the people have more concern with being factually correct than being morally correct it was kind of like i mean you still need both <laughs> but the thing is bias is part of everybody everyone has bias everyone is biased right it could be slight but you have biases and it it might not be in a particular area some people are very unbiased in politics but they're very biased in sports you know how many people you know who are like i don't talk politics but ohio state you know <laughs> <laughs> there's bias in certain things. It comes out in their preferences. It comes out in how they live their life. People are biased, right? Christians are going to be biased towards religious freedom because it affects them. You know, it's just going to be a thing that people have and you can't just remove bias, right? You can't just get rid of it. It's not something that you can just go, I no longer have bias. No, you have bias. You have to address it by knowing where your biases are, you have to then minimize it by bringing in something else that, you know, I think, who is it? A lot of the good journalists that are still left will do this where they're like, look, I'm a right-wing guy or I'm a left-wing guy. So I find somebody who's a right-wing guy or somebody else. And I run by my ideas with them or how I'm covering a story. And if they start going, wow, that's not how it happened. Then maybe my bias is starting to show. (laughs) I'm thinking you probably have a couple of examples of somebody that They were just like, you know, your article's wrong. Here's my article and their article's from like an opinion blog.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I remember having a conversation with somebody where they were trying to say that the argument that I had about such-and-such such case wasn't related because blah-blah-blah-blah-blah. And I was like, okay, well, first, let me reference the case. And I, like, took a screenshot of what I was trying to bring up. And they're like, how dare you bring up the case? That doesn't even make sense because this case doesn't necessarily mean blah blah, blah. Like, the case doesn't prove itself. And I was like, yeah, but you're bringing up a conversation about something that's unrelated to this case. So if you're going to talk about the case, you need to at least be referencing the case and this was a reference to them sharing some news article that wasn't even related or at least in my eyes wasn't related to the specific court case that we were talking about and so there are times where you're on facebook and you're just wondering to yourself like am i missing that this is supposedly related to what we're talking about or is it not related at all and if you have to answer that question you're best just going back to the original source no matter how confusing it is, and screenshot something from some government articles, then you can say, so this is from the original thing. How is this connected to that article that you were mentioning? Like, just doing that creates an option for like, let's talk about the same thing. Because what if we're not? And I feel like I'm more likely to run into situations like that because... The bias side of it is that if I were to read an article that somebody pushes towards me and it's from something like Vox or CNN and I go and I read it and I'm just thinking to myself, this is either not related because it just seems so far out there and I'm not sure if I trust the date stamp related to what we're talking about or... I just find that it's confused on what the facts are or that the opinions are being placed in a position to look like facts. And that's where I get frustrated with CNN because they play this game where you have to just like flag, is this an opinion or is this a fact? And this happens on other news sites too. You're just sitting there and you're reading and you're like, wait a second, was that the personal author or is that something that happened? And then you realize that you need to go look up something from the opposite side to actually question that specific scenario.
1: Right. And that's why a lot of times people will say that the way they address this is, well, I read opposing sources.
0: What does that mean, opposing sources? And are they actually doing it?
1: Right. You'll see people who post something about like, oh, well. I read left-wing and right-wing news sources. Therefore, I'm not biased. No, no, you're still biased. (laughs) You still are. In fact, you have to be biased for there to be an opposing source because they have to have the opposing bias. When you say opposing sources, that's good for your news intake. That's good for getting different sources on what people are covering. And that's really good for that. It's good to get Fox and CNN because they're going to cover different stories, right? Because they both have their own narratives. They're going to do that. However... When you're talking about what you're looking for, you want to have a challenging source. You want to have something that challenges the conclusions and the ideas and the theories that you have.
0: So what would be a challenging source for you?
1: So for me, a challenging source is quite literally is going to be anything from probably the Guardian, Salon, or Vox. That's challenging for me because a lot of them are opinion-based articles. So when I'm reading them, it's not something that I can just take the statistic throw it into the Google search, and then go, oh, is that correct or not? It's not just like a factual-based news reporting thing. I actually have to address the argument that they're making. So when, when Vox puts out their gun control videos, they have statistics. The statistics are correct. However, I have to be making arguments based on, okay, if you present it this way, that's not correct. You know, When they talk about gun deaths, and then they talk about homicides— And they're using those two things interchangeably. That's what I need to be addressing. And I need to be looking for that. So it's challenging myself to go and find the stuff over there. And then I'll often listen to right-wing sources that are, I guess you could call them kind of more conspiratorial. So reading stuff from Infowars, right? Those are very, very, very opinionated. It's kind of a little bit lower on the scale of being accurate. And then is this correct? Is this an actual thing? Like, you know, when I see something come up and I'm like, oh my gosh, is this real? I'll go see if somebody else says it's not real. And then I'll go, oh, well, geez, maybe right. Checking before I I send something out. I had a rather embarrassing thing when I was a lot younger where I posted this quote. It was supposedly from George Washington. And I was like, oh, this is a great quote. And, you know, stuff like that. And I had friends of mine who were posting it and they were trustworthy. And so I was like, oh, well, they're pretty good. And so I've shared it. And then I got hammered because it's not a real quote and i got snopes i got politifact i got all these different ones you know i was like awkward oh ah, so i have shared misinformation i uh, oops you know fake news yeah and my first reaction when the people started hammering me on it was kind of like well how do you know that or like well you know that just just because you don't agree
0: and i just i'd be like wait a minute no no no, no. You're like shoot him <laughs> i made a mistake and i
1: had to do that Another time I posted something and I said, I didn't think Bernie Sanders is communist. And then later on, I claimed he was communist because I was getting mad and I said it. <laughs> and they went, you said this a couple of months ago, They screenshot and sent to me. And I went, ah, you got me right. And then that was like the hardest thing to do, right. To go, ah, oh, yeah, you got me. <laughs> now nah, that just ended my whole steam train to being right. And that just,
0: <laughs> I mean, you're allowed to have personal growth.
1: Yeah. And really, and that's all they harped on and the stuff that I got mad about afterwards was the fact they were like talking about like, oh, see, she has no character. And I was like, okay, look here. (laughs) But you know, just to get back to it, when you're talking about these biased sources, it's whether or not the person knows they have a bias and that they're speaking from that. And then they're saying, look, I have this bias. So I attempted to do this, or I, I tried to put these things in because I have this bias. So I'm putting in a corrective part here. So that's what you want to be looking for. For example, if you're talking about healthcare policy, you're going to want to talk to somebody who works in that field because you might have all these brilliant ideas, but the second you start saying them, they might go, that's not going to work. And then the thing you have to be careful is don't just find a person who works in there. Find somebody who doesn't agree with you on that and find out what they're saying, right? Because... That actually gets you to grow and to actually understand the application of the theories. And then when somebody asks you why you believe a certain way, you have an actual answer that that person can then leave and look up or test or think about. Why would you ever ask somebody who doesn't own guns about owning guns? That makes no sense.
0: (laughs) Yeah, they have no interest in it.
1: Doesn't mean they don't have an opinion. It doesn't mean they can't learn about it. But if you are saying, hey, I'm a big gun control proponent, you're going to want to talk to somebody who isn't a gun control proponent. And run your ideas by them and see if you can get them to go, oh, I never thought about that. One of the best things I ever heard was Stephen Crowder who does this. He says he'll listen to debates and then what he'll do is he'll pause and then he'll guess whatever the next question or the point is going to be from either the right winger or the left winger or the centrist or the libertarian or this. And then he'll hit
0: play and see how close he was. Wow, that's like playing quiz yourself <laughs> on the talking points.
1: But one of the things it does is it allows him to test, hey, am I saying something that's completely different that nobody else is saying? It also allows him to have a handle on how would a leftist approach this. And Stephen Crowder is not like a centrist. <laughs> he's he's oh, not no. close. Right. But do you have any sort of things that you've been gathering in your experience on how to just deal with making sure you're not developing a this is how I view things and I do it this way every time that maybe you think could be helpful?
0: Well, first off, I have to say that I can be pretty guilty sometimes of not invoking challenging sources into my life. And I feel like that needs to be brought up in the sense that even the conversation of letting challenging sources in is it's difficult for me because sometimes I find myself offended by the way somebody came off with how they communicated the ideas that they had. Like I am the type of person that will start reading an opinion article from the NY times and be like, are you kidding me? This is the way you have decided to put forward how you think about this person and you haven't even gotten to the meat of your article and you're already calling this person such and such type of person. The current one that I've been following is Madison Hawthorne.
1: Madison Hawthorne, yeah.
0: Yeah, so he is currently under fire for having supposedly encouraged the Capitol Hill riots and the way that that has been handled is that he more or less stated that people should call their representatives and tell them that if they don't fight the vote or the the Senate finalizing those votes, that you should tell them that you'll be after them or something like that. And it was never clarified, like, what does he mean when he says that? But people are assuming that he means, like, go and
1: He means actually go and murder congresspeople, yeah.
0: Exactly. And so since there's that type of question mark over what he meant, it's been very interesting to see what people say. And so I was reading this NY Times article and it drove me absolutely nuts that within the first paragraph of their opinion piece, they called him a, quote, shit poster turned representative. And I was just like... Are you kidding me right now? How can I
1: think you're fair? Yeah.
0: Like literally, he's a vet that lost the ability to use his legs in combat. So I have a really hard time with the concept that I should read the rest of your article or ever read an article from you ever again. So what I'm working on is trying to find people that can write challenging sources for me that I can get through what they're writing about without feeling like they are straight up disrespectful to the people that they are actually having a negative opinion about. Because I think there has to be a way to find somebody who writes very clear, strong pieces from a challenging perspective that don't make me automatically think that they're just straight up disrespectful. And so like, that is something that I'm working on is what I continue to do is that I still open up the articles that I think will be challenging and I attempt to read them and work through the concepts that they're putting forward. But if I decide that this person is straight up disrespectful, then I'm done. You know, so like, and and I don't think there's anything like crazy wrong about that in the sense that this is some article that a journalist quote journalist wrote (laughs) so that it could be consumed. So if I decide that I don't wanna consume it, that's fine. If I decide I don't wanna read another article from that person ever again, that's also fine. And I encourage people to be willing to read articles that you may disagree with, or that may make you frustrated, but if you don't wanna finish reading the article, don't.
1: I think you make just a really good point about Finding those sources. But sometimes you're not going to always get there. And it's a tough thing to do.
0: I'm fired up. I read this article today. (laughs) Fired up, yeah. If you couldn't tell.
1: No. And, you know, so I think just to kind of wrap things up is when we're talking about imposing your ideas, you have to realize that it's not about just because something is being imposed doesn't mean it's not something that we should be doing. Everything's an imposition. When you're talking about government, when you're talking about a society, there's imposition somewhere. It's just how are you going to live? is the real question. You have to be able to describe that imposition. And then you gotta find those people who are worth talking to and you gotta do it. You can't back off. You really can't do that because if you're not doing that, you're not challenging yourself. And if you fail to follow those general principles, you're going to generate an echo chamber by default because you yourself are difficult to talk to. And the side effect of this, what will happen is, and you can see it in the country, People have started to think that everyone who's not them is evil because they can't figure out why that person would think differently. They're not able to do it. And so the only explanation that they get and from the hype boys who come in from whichever party and they whip you up and they get you because they want you to go to the polls and they want you to get online and they want you to be an angry mob. They talk about how they actually want to hurt you. That's not always the case, right? Sometimes it is. Sometimes people want to do something. They don't care if you live or die. They don't. That's a thing. It, and those people do get into politics. I mean, Steve mm-hmm. King was elected, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it happens. But if you're not taking care of yourself, you will start to slip into there. Even if you're the most well-intentioned of persons, you'll start to slip into this. Well, it's me and these people and we want the good for the country. And then everyone who's not in this group wants the bad. Like, an absolutely outrageous statement by Don Lemon was that if you voted for Trump, you voted with the Klan and the Nazis. Like That's insane. Because here's the thing. If there are 74 million Nazis in the country, we have a problem that needs to be dealt with immediately.
0: Right? Sounds unlikely. If it's just
1: 74 million people who disagree with you, then maybe there's nothing to do here. Just that people who disagree with you. So when you start to generate that echo chamber, what that echo chamber will do to you is you'll start to feel that everybody who's outside of it has malintent. And that's when you can just watch the discussions start to break down. Even in family members. I actually watched somebody who accused their uncle of wanting them dead because they were a lesbian because he didn't vote the same way she did. Oof! And the guy commented back, like I was at your wedding. If I didn't support you,
0: then <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't, then I wouldn't gone. be at
1: the wedding. He even was saying, hey, we talk to each other several times a week. We text each other. We get on phone calls. I see you at family parties. And he's going, you never say any of this to me there. And you've known my support for four years of this guy. So just because I voted for Donald Trump in 2020 and it became clear later on, she was like, well, he wants to do that. He wants to do this and this. And if you don't agree with that, then you don't know what's going on and you want to hurt me. And it was just kind of like, isn't that amazing how the fact that that person was not able to challenge herself." She was not able to go, hey, maybe there's like more to it than just what I think. How quickly the conversation
0: dissolves.
1: Yeah, there's no conversation now. That guy can't talk anymore. He can't talk to his own niece because of that. Watching that, you're going, well, what hope do you have for a country this way? What hope do you have for a society?
0: Be different.
1: You're just going to turn into people A live here, people B live here, and people C live here. And then all of us try to fight over who gets to be the one who is the rulemaker. And that's a nasty conflict. Thanks for listening. And if you have a comment, question, or rant, we'd love to hear it. Email us at bluestateconversations at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook and find our articles on Medium. If you like this podcast, share it with a friend. No matter what state you're in, blue, red, or purple, there is always room at the table to discuss your views in a way that lets us all grow.